church. It's great to see everybody here today. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Let's welcome the presence of the Lord here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We want to open our service today with thankfulness and appreciation for the presence of the Lord and for all of his goodness, for all of his greatness. One more time, could we just lift up the Lord in praise and worship? Thank the Lord. Let's exalt Jesus today. Thank the Lord. It's a pleasure, a privilege to be here. And uh, would anyone agree today with me that what a week it has been? Things are not the same today as they were last Sunday. But I'll tell you what, I know what is the same as it was this time last Sunday. His name is Jesus. It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank the Lord. Praise God. So I wanted to open the service today and just give my little bit of little bitty contribution to uh, what is going on in our world, in our country right now. Uh, whether you like it or not, and may I add, whether you agree with it or not, here we are. And, uh, but I'm happy to announce, proud to announce, that at this point, to the best of our ability, Grace Church is gonna continue to roll forward. We're gonna have church. We're gonna see a move of God. And we're going to see the Lord have his way. Thank the Lord. So as we announced, as we announced uh, Wednesday night, and, and, and just stay standing for a moment because we're, we're about to pray. Uh, but we've all been following the news surrounding the coronavirus, the COVID-19. And Grace Church would like to reassure each of you that we're doing everything in our power to be cautious and to remain a safe place. We want to share some things that we are doing and even some, well, we'll ask, make some requests uh, of you as well. But our entire campus, we want you to know that our entire campus is clean and disinfected every week. All nursery surfaces and toys are disinfected every week. Soap is in every restroom. And we ask you to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. I feel really silly telling grown adult people these things. But use your drying towel to open the restroom door before depositing in the trash. Hand sanitizer, as long as it lasts, is in the lobby and in all classrooms. And when we run out and we can't find any more at this point, maybe you can bring your own. As we greet you, we'll refrain from shaking hands or hugging you. Just a friendly wave and a smile, and maybe an elbow bump uh, will be good. Please call for sneeze into your elbow or a disposable tissue. And if you are ill or feel vulnerable to illness, please feel free to stay at home. We have live stream, and you're welcome to watch live stream. Someone texted this morning. We're a little bit nervous, a lot of health issues and a lot of health concerns, and uh, we just feel a little bit iffy about getting out right now. Stay at home absolutely stay at home uh, but you can stay certainly connected with us so and we are praying God's protection over each of you during this trying time but again Grace Church will schedule our schedule our church schedule will go on 
You don't have to call and ask, are we doing this? We will let you know. We'll let you know. Everyone just assume and proceed forward. All Grace Church schedule will go on. If it changes, we'll get word out. Everything on our calendar is on. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I believe that in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody here today a question. Your feelings are based on the sources you listen to. And if you listen to and watch too much of one, you're going to get real scared and real fearful, and it's going to control your life. But I want to ask you a biblical question today. It's a biblical verse. Whose report will you believe? I'll believe the report of the Lord. Jesus said, I will build my church at the gates of hell and it will not prevail against it. And, and look, we've been through flood, we've been through other viruses and we're all still here. And I believe God is able to sustain his church. He'll sustain his people. And I and, and feel firmly today we're in the hands of God. But what I want to present to you today in saying all of this is whether you like our president or not, whether you agree with his politics or not, uh, he did one of the most bold things, and I never, ever thought I would live to see this come from any president in our White House. But he tweeted yesterday, it is my great honor to declare Sunday today, March the 15th, as a national day of prayer. We are a country that throughout our history has looked to God for protection and strength in times like these. No matter where you may be, I encourage you, President Trump said, to turn towards prayer and an act of faith. Together, we will easily prevail. In honor to our president today, whether you agree with him or not, he's asking people to pray, and we're going to do that right now. All over the house today, can we join together praying for our country, our government, pray for the church that the Spirit of the Lord would move and have His way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask You today, we ask You today to intervene, to make Your presence known, to make Your presence felt, that somehow our country can once again see the hand of God. You've been kicked out of school. You've been kicked out of places of business. You've been virtually kicked out of society, but not by the church. There's people all across this country today that have a lot of different church names that attend various churches, but they still love you in their way and they have faith in you and they trust you and we're a part of that group of people. I pray today that somehow America could see God again in ways that they've not seen you in a long time. That it doesn't matter what government does and the medical field does, God will have his way. God will have his way. And I pray for your direction and leadership in our government and our church, even on a local level, a state level. We pray for our government leaders. And I pray in Jesus' name that the will and purpose of God be done. We pray for protection. We ask for blood covering for those that are suffering today with this virus, for those that have been susceptible to it and 
has been exposed to it. I'm asking for a blood covering today. In the name of Jesus, we lean on you. We trust in you. We have faith in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Before we begin our worship today, uh, I commissioned Brother Dave to meet with some of our medical professionals here at Grace Church. And uh, we're going to presenting, be presenting a plan that perhaps of some things we can do even for our community, that Grace Church can be involved in the community over the next several days and weeks as this unfolds. And uh, so be listening uh, for an announcement about that. But we're trying to be very proactive, which is our style here at Grace Church. We're doing the best we can. So we're going to worship today. Put that aside. We're singing and worshiping today to an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands one more time to Jesus as we sing.
Today we're going to dedicate Harbor Kate Williams to the Lord. And uh, so thankful for Ken and Becky, her sweet parents. And we're going to dedicate Dakota Grace and Carol, Cody and Brooklyn's uh, little boy to the Lord today. And uh, this is one of the most fun parts of being pastor is uh, to get to do this, what we're about to do right here. So folks, if you just come on this way. Uh, Brother Dave and Brother Wheeler will meet you, and uh, they know what to do, and they can direct you. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is an awesome time, Grace Church, is it not? Thank the Lord. And a lot of you had your babies dedicated, and uh, a lot of you were dedicated. I was dedicated to the Lord. That's right, and a lot of you were. This is an awesome, awesome thing. Thank the Lord. Everybody good? Okay, awesome. The Bible said that children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is a first commandment with promise, 
that you may, it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There are many scriptures that speak directly to parents and children. We're all familiar with the spare the rod. I love the, the story of the teenage boy that came in and asked the dad, his dad for the car. And he said, you can't use the car. And he said, Dad, the Bible says to spare not the rod. It meant the hot rod. So um, uh, we need to clarify that interpretation of Scripture. But the Bible does say in Proverbs 13, He that spareth the rod hateth his son. Proverbs 19, 18 said, Chasten thy son while thine is hope. Colossians, Paul said, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. So I want us to make sure that we're all clear on a few things here today in this wonderful time of baby dedication service. Are children born into the world fully capable to survive on their, no, on their own? Absolutely not. Other than instinct, can we say that children are born void of any knowledge concerning good and evil? Absolutely. Do children have to learn how to do everything that will help them survive physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Absolutely. Whose responsibility is it to train, teach children how to live and to survive? That would be their parents. How do children learn? What is one of the first things that we notice about babies besides how absolutely gorgeous and beautiful they are? I've heard a thousand people say this a thousand times. Oh, my baby is so alert. They're so alert. They're looking all around the room. They're three days old and look they're looking they're so alert think about that you think about that whether we realize it or not your children stay alert for the rest of their lives they're always watching and they're always learning so how many of you have just stopped learning don't raise your hand I know who some of you are actually no, I'm kidding how many of you know everything there is to learn don't raise your hand. Now think about what you may be teaching your children. They learn by watching and they learn by imitating their parents and they learn by watching and imitating those around them. Everything a parent does, Cody and Brooklyn, Ken and Becky, everything you do, your baby, your child is watching. This is what this dedication service is really about today. It is about what you as parents coming this morning before God and his church to commit yourself to be dedicated, to be dedicated Christian examples for your child. And the church as a witness must in itself be dedicated Christian examples for these babies as well, pledging before God and man that we will walk in wisdom toward them that are without. So today, you as parents are committing yourselves to a daunting task. Your child has been entrusted to you by God. If you stay faithful to God, then you can, you can succeed in the task before you. And this goes not just for you participating this morning. It goes for every Christian that's here. So stay faithful to God. Walk in wisdom. Be Christ-like. And you can succeed in the task that God has before you. It takes real commitment, not just an outward symbol as this service is, but an inward commitment. It is a change of heart. It is a covenant with God. 
Being a parent takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of courage and strength and patience. It takes a lot of love, but with real commitment, true dedication, it can be done. So I challenge everyone here this morning to live what you believe in front of all, especially our children. Parents, live what you believe. Live what you believe. If you believe Christ answers prayer, then be an example and give your children something to answer. Pray without ceasing, the Bible said. If you believe in Christ, if you believe that Christ will take care of you, then rely on him instead of yourself. If you believe God's word gives Christians direction, read it instead of the latest self-help book. If you believe that Sunday school is an important part of the church and good for your kids, then be here to support it yourself. If you believe the church, that church attendance is what a Christian should do, then be here on Sunday and Wednesday to be fed by God's word. If someone has offended you, forgive them and move on. Your children and other non-Christians and other Christians are always watching you. So it's imperative that we walk in wisdom. So Ken and Becky, Cody and Brooklyn, you are making a powerful statement to the Lord today. And this is what you're saying. Lord, we dedicate our baby to you today. Will you allow us to keep our child and prepare him or her for your purpose and your kingdom? So I submit today in the name of the Lord Jesus, we dedicate these babies to God and to his holy service. The family that's out here, if y'all don't mind, if you feel comfortable to, if you'd come stand behind your respective family here today, we're going to pray. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'd like for family to be involved. I'd like for family to be involved in this. Brother Dave and Brother Wheeler, if you would proceed uh, with prayer and your presentation of this dedication. Congregation, let's pray with them. Everybody, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today in Jesus' name. God, we ask you today, we ask you today to take these two amazing families. There are two couples, husband and wife, mom and dad, that love you today. They've given their lives and hearts to you. I pray, God, that you would give them patience and wisdom to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God, we're serious about what we're doing today. It's not a tradition to me. It's not a formality to me. It's biblical. You said to allow little children to come unto you of such is the kingdom of heaven. And we're doing that today. We're allowing our babies, we're giving them access to the greatest thing that will ever happen to them. We want to give unto them you. We want to give them your word. We want them to receive your spirit. We want them to be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. We want you to use them in whatever capacity you choose. And I pray, God, again for these parents that you would help them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them. In the beautiful name of Jesus, in the beautiful name of Jesus, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. So I want to charge this church family. I want to charge our teachers, our leaders, and every saint of God here to treat these babies as one of God's own and to do your part in leading them closer and closer to God. If you're willing to commit to that grace church, would you agree with that with a loud and hearty amen right now? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. 
God bless you this morning. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's appreciate his presence here today. the Lord everyone. There is a scripture that is often quoted at a different time of year, normally around Christmas. It's Isaiah 9 and 6 and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and upon his shoulders shall rest the government, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the last one is so important, Prince of Peace. You, we are surrounded, ladies and gentlemen, by an epidemic or a pandemic, not only of a disease, but of fear and anxiety. But the very nature of my God illustrates that He is a God of peace. We do not stand on the shifting sands of our perception of what's going on in this world. Circumstance doesn't affect us when we stand in the power and the grace and the mercy of our God. For He is a God of peace. Can you lift your, your voices to him this morning and give him praise? Lord, we love you. We're thankful for your presence. Lord God, we know you have all things in your hand, dear God. Praise God. Our confidence, although we are appreciative of a medical industry, our confidence is in Christ and in no other. Can you say amen? We appreciate all of you that are here. You may be seated. If you are a, a guest here at Grace, thank you so much for being here. We want you to look around and see the people that are unmoved, that are resting in peace. We're going to ask our ushers to come forward, this fine group of young men and young ladies. Fantastic. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your presence, Lord Jesus. The fact that you are here, that we have that assurance, dear God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you move in this service, dear God, as you will it, dear Lord. Bless this offering, dear God. Bless the gift and the giver in the name of Jesus. And everyone say amen. Go ahead, ladies and gentlemen. We have a few announcements for you today. On Tuesday, March 17th, we will have Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary. The body of Christ is strengthened by corporate prayer. So if you're able to be here, please do. On Saturday, March 21st, we have the Section 2 Ladies Conference entitled Attitude 2020 in Holden at 8.30 to 3.30. Register via our website. And on Sunday, March 22nd, She's for Christ Spaghetti Dinner. I don't, no virus is keeping me from spaghetti. If you feel the same way, remember more, uh, Sunday, March 22nd, we will have that here. $8 for the dinner and $1 for the drink. Can you love the Lord this morning? Can you lift up his name and pray? God bless you.
tell you, I don't know what you're feeling out there, but there's something rumbling up here. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house today. The Spirit of the Lord is here in a mighty way. Can we exalt Him again? Let's praise Him again all over the house. Let's exalt Him. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Lord. To all of our guests here today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. You have truly made our day by your presence here today. We welcome you to Grace Church and thank you so, so very much for coming. I want to applaud our praise team. They've taken us to the throne today and I'm thankful for that. Thank the Lord. Let's give them some appreciation today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. The Bible teaches to give honor where honor is due and uh, I really enjoy these moments, the one that I'm about to share with you now. Uh, but I want to give a lot of accolade and a lot of respect and maybe even a high five to Sister Carla Turpin today. Uh, she has just accomplished something in her life that I think is worthy of public recognition today. In all due respect, in all due respect, she is a mother and she is a grandmother. And she just graduated college as summa cum laude of her class. And I want to applaud her for that today. It's amazing, amazing accomplishment. Now, it's not appropriate to ask ladies their age. I think she's in her mid to late 60s or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually have no idea, but we're good with that. But I applaud you today. What an accomplishment. There must be, there must be a lot of fulfillment and just a lot of achievement. Applaud you today for that. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 20, I'm going to try to not preach much over an hour today. I'm full. My heart's full. I'm the devil's mad and I'm glad. <clears throat> Amen. He is. He's mad you're here today. There's a lot of people. He's really angry and upset you're here today. Thank the Lord. Exodus chapter 5, verse 20. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. They just left Pharaoh. And they said unto him, The Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. This is what the Jewish people were telling Moses and Aaron. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither has, have you delivered your people at all. Does anybody ever feel like you wish you could talk to God like that sometimes? I mean, just kind of give God the what for. I want to preach to you for a little while about a lesson learned. A lesson learned. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. 
Thank you. You may be seated. I know a lot of you have felt like yo-yos here today. We've been up and down, up and down, but now you get to sit for a little over an hour. How many know here today that we serve a mighty God? How many believe that here today? Does anyone agree with that statement? <clears throat> we serve a mighty God. Yes, we do. And we all love to talk about the wonderful, miracle-working power of Almighty God, and truly He is a mighty God. He has all power in His hand, the Bible said, and nothing is too hard for God to do. Any problem that you may have right now, all this business going on in our world today, God's not scared. He's not fearful. He's not intimidated. He still has the whole world in his hands. Yes, he does. So any problem that you may have right now or will have in the future is not too hard for God to solve. Any problem that you find yourself in right now or in the future is not too hard for God to fix. Any situation that is relative to your particular set of unique circumstances from your life is not too big for God to deal with and to take care of. It doesn't matter what the problem is. doesn't matter what the need is. doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the adversity is because he is a mighty God. It doesn't matter how strong the storm is, how fierce the winds are, how high the floodwaters are. It doesn't matter how bad it looks to everyone around you. It doesn't matter how serious it looks right now because God is well able to meet your need in just one instant of time because he is a mighty, mighty God. And everybody said amen. If you have a financial need, no worries. If you need healing, no worries. If you have a marital need, no worries. A family need, a salvation need, any need at all. It's not a problem with God for our God is a mighty God and he is able. The word of God says that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. The Bible said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. The Bible said that he is always able to cause us to triumph. The Bible teaches that he is able to always bring victory to our life. Why? Because he is a mighty, mighty powerful, awesome, wonderful God. All right. I'm passing out cotton candy here this morning. Y'all need to take advantage of it. We don't have these moments too often here at Grace Church, right? Or so it seems sometimes. But what about when the answer you're looking for doesn't come right away. What happens when God doesn't fix the problem? The marriage doesn't work out. The kids don't turn out the way you hoped and prayed they would. What happens when we get a different answer than the one we expected to get? What happens when we pray and things get worse Instead of getting better. 
What happens when deliverance is delayed? What do we do when we face difficulties? Even when you're doing what God has asked you to do, even when you're doing the will of God, you have difficulty. When these questions come, does it affect our view of the mighty God that we serve? When the answer doesn't come, do we think differently about God? In our scripture setting this morning, Moses is literally lashing out at God because he has done what God has told him to do, but things for Israel has gotten worse instead of better. I've been there. God, I've done what you told me to do, and you are seemingly doing nothing. I've kept my part of the bargain, but you haven't kept your part. You still haven't answered that prayer, or you've answered it, but it's not what I wanted. You still haven't even showed up yet. We are still waiting for you to do what you said you would do. I can even hear in my ear this morning perhaps the very bitter cries of Mary and Martha as they weep over the death of their brother. He's sick. They notified Jesus that he was sick. They knew Jesus knew that he was sick. Jesus didn't show up. It's frustrating. I'm trying to be real relevant to some people here today. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. It can cause you to be angry. It can literally cause you to be bitter. They call for the master to come, but he never did. And then when he did finally show up, it was too late. He got there four days after Lazarus had died. Mary weeps off in the corner somewhere. God, I just don't understand. I'm confused. I'm a friend of yours. I'm a friend of God. I believed in you. I had faith in you. Martha moans as she falls to her knees. Jesus, I was sure that you would come. I thought you were our friend, but you didn't. There are times in all of our lives that things appear to be just like that. Things appear to be hopeless. There's people here today that in your current circumstance, you feel virtually hopeless. It appears to be over. It appears that God has turned a deaf ear to you and to your cry. And so your dreams die on the vine. It looks like God has forgotten about you and you're desperate for an answer, but no answer has come. You feel like it's too late for God to do anything concerning your situation. You feel just like Martha did when her brother died. God, you're just simply too late. I've cried out on numerous occasions, God, where are you? I went to bed last night kind of having that question roll around in my head a little bit. Seems like the wind picks up your prayer and slaps it back into your face again. You stagger along like a drunken man in your spirit as the enemy delivers more and more 
adversity. But hang on a minute. Wait just a minute. Before you give up and before you lash out at God and before you get bitter and angry towards God, let's take another look. Because there's a lesson that I've learned. (laughs) There's a lesson that a lot of you have learned. That off in the distance somewhere, I see God walking toward us on the stormy waters of our adversity. I'm looking down the rough and dusty road of adversity in your life right now. And I think I see something coming toward you. One of the most comforting scriptures that I possess in my bosom this morning. I quote it often when I pray. The psalmist said, I feel the Holy Ghost as I speak. In Psalm 121, the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. For my help cometh down from the Lord which made the heaven and the earth. And he will not suffer or allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is a shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore oh I feel the Holy Ghost here today I feel the mighty hand of God here today I can assure you that your answer may not be here yet your problem may not be resolved yet but it's on the way Let me preach to you today and tell you that God does all things well. Even when it seems like a disaster. God has his own plan and his own time clock for your life, for your deliverance. God is never too late, even when we think he is. God is still in charge God is still on your side. Let me share with you another scripture that packs power and understanding and wisdom. The wise man said in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. He set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to end. The just shall live by faith. You can and will eventually triumph over the distasteful business of hell if you're willing to be, if you're willing to patiently wait on the Lord even when the answer hasn't come yet. God said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? 
my way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over from God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. He went on to say in verse 31, and we all know it, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It's the word of God, and it's a lesson that I've learned. If you can wait on the Lord just a little longer, he'll renew your strength. If the answer hasn't arrived yet, he'll renew your strength. Why does he work the way he does? I don't know. Sorry to disappoint you. I don't know. But I do know this. I believe we're all going to understand it better one of these days. God said plainly in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, the water but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, he said. And it shall prosper in the thing wherefore I sent it. God's ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But God, for some reason, just don't do things like we would do them, does he? But there's a lesson that I've learned and that his his word will not return to him void without purpose and empty. It will accomplish its intended purpose. If God has told you that he will do something in your life, you can count on it. If God told you, you can count on it. I've, y'all have heard this many, many times. I'll tell you a lesson I've learned is when we bought this building. I mean, I wallowed for 14 months. I'd come up here during the day and just walk back and forth. I claim it, I claim it, I claim it. What I didn't know is God had already given it to us. It just had to be done in his time, not mine. I still don't understand why we wallowed around with this thing for 14 months. We could be 14 months ahead right now. That's the way I think of it. But God's ways are above my ways and his thoughts are above my thoughts and he don't think like I do. I've learned a lesson that God wanted us to have this building and nothing was going to stop it. That's what I've learned. The storms of life come to everybody, even the child of God. Sometimes God calms the storm and at other times he just gets on board with us and rides out the storm with you. Deliverance might be delayed right now, but keep on waiting on the Lord. When you look at the life of the apostle Paul, And we say, what a great man. He was amazing. He could do anything. He had this corner on God. Hang on. It ain't quite like it seems sometimes. 
You wish you could be more like Paul? Really? You may want to rethink that. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength and so much that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Notice what Paul says here, that Paul had trouble. He despaired of life. He had the sentence of death in him. He stated that he would not trust in himself, but in God. He trusted that God would deliver him again. In other words, there was a lesson that Paul had learned somewhere along the way in life. He went on to say, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that life, though the life of, also of Jesus might be made more manifest in our body. Again, Paul talks of death and dying. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day that I've been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness and in the sea. And among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without. That which cometh upon me daily. And the care of all the churches. You still want to be like Paul? Paul was a man that was used greatly by God, but he was also a man that suffered much for God. Paul suffered much pain, but what brought him through was his attitude toward the pain. He cared much more about the glory of God resting on him than he did the pain that he felt in and around him. That is why his pain was turned into pleasure. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, he said. And in reproach and necessities and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There was a lesson he learned. It's not normal to take pleasure in infirmity and adversity. But the thing that Paul learned was that you must trust in God in spite of what you're going through. He learned that it's the pain and suffering that it that is at times the steadying influence in our life. The heavy burden can actually act as a ballast for us. Hear this illustration. Hear this illustration. Dr. Thomas Lambie was a medical missionary to Africa. He told about how he forded many swift and bridgeless streams. The danger in crossing such streams lie in being swept off your feet and carried downstream to greater depths and hurled to death on hidden rocks. Dr. Lambie learned from the natives the best way to 
make such a hazardous crossing. He was taught that you find a large stone, the heavier the better, and you lift it to your shoulder and you carry it across the stream because the extra weight of the stone keeps your feet silent on a solid on the bed of the stream while you're crossing. Your burden makes you heavier and makes your footing more sure. Dr. Lambie drew this application while crossing the dangerous streams of life. Enemies constantly seek to overthrow us and to rush us down stream in ruin. We need the ballast of burden bearing, sometimes a load of affliction to keep us from being swept off of our feet. Martin Luther once said, ah, affliction, affliction, he said, is the best book in my library. Walter Knight tells of an American tourist who had just seen a passion play approaching Mr. Lang, who played the part of Christ. He asked Mr. Lang, may I be photographed with you while I lift your cross? The tourist stooped to lift the cross, but he couldn't. He exerted more more energy, but he still couldn't lift the cross. And looking at Mr. Lang, he said, your cross is certainly heavy. Mr. Lang, the actor that portrayed Christ, said, sir, I cannot represent Christ with a light cross. In life, it will be the grievous things that help lift us to heaven. So why does God allow the trials to come to us? Why does God allow the pain to come to to us that seems so intense at times and it seems difficult to even breathe? Why does God allow us to weep and cry over and over again about the same crises? Your pillow is wet with tears at night. You cry out to God, but it seems like he's not listening. You put a smile on your face when you deal with the world, but deep down inside you're broken. and There's pain. How can you do at a time like this? Job went through that kind of adversity. Hagar went through that kind of desperate situation. Naomi went through extreme difficulty. Hannah read the story this week, went through a time, a trying time, dark in her life. Jacob feared for his life when he saw was coming to kill him. David was surrounded by his own men that wanted to stone him. Even Paul was stoned and left for dead. So what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in a difficult situation? What do you do? Let me tell you what I've learned. You trust in God. You know what, brother and sister, we have learned? They've learned trust at another level. Brother Dave and Sister Farah have learned trust at another level. You continue to wait on the Lord. You continue to serve the Lord. You wait on Him. You continue to hold His hand even when you don't agree with the way He is leading you. Peter wrote in his epistle, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you'll stand with me this morning.
pain and affliction are allowed so that people will keep close to the Lord in prayer. We don't want these things in our life. We don't want these times in our life. But it is the trial and the adversity that will purify us and bring us closer to God. It's the bearing of the burden that will strengthen us to endure all the way to the end in our walk with God. It's easy for people without much invested in this Christian walk to backslide and fall away from God. Yes, it is. But those with something invested in their walk with God, those who've completely sold out to God will want to hold on all the way to the end. There are people here today that have been through the fire and the flood and the storm and difficulties and adversity. You say, who's been through the fire? I have, literally. Our house burned when our kids were small. and I'm still here. When my son, who is now in his 40s, was 16, he had an intestinal virus and the doctor couldn't find it and he was dying. He was curled up in the fetal position. We've been through the fire. We've been through floods, figuratively and literally speaking. Everybody's had stormy times and difficulties and, and adversity. But what we've come to understand and the lesson we've learned is by the trying of our faith, it's a trying of our faith that has produced a quality. The Bible said, when you've been tried, you'll come forth as pure gold. Peter said, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I could go on and on today, but I'd like to give you this concluding promise from the word of God in Psalm chapter 27. The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord is the strength of my life whom shall I be afraid when the wicked even mine enemies and my foes come upon me to eat up on my flesh and they stumble and fail though a host and host should encamp against me my heart shall not fear though war should rise against me and this will I be confident one thing I have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble shall hide me in his pavilion and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me upon a rock it's a lesson I've learned there's people here today that I would consider very senior very elderly in faith there's others here today that are very young and still infantile in faith you would be wise today if you're still infantile in faith to look around at some stalwart people here today. Their hair may be gray and their face may be wrinkled. But on the inside of their heart is more courage and more power and strength. Don't let their physical demeanor be a distraction or be deceiving because there's something on the inside that can look and literally and point their finger in the face of the devil and declare, 
spite of all of your antics and all the things you've tried to do to me, I'm still here. And my hands were uplifted a moment ago in worship and my heart is full of faith and I'm void of any bitterness and distress because my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I'm able to ask or think and I'm still here because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. In just very recent times, I've had time with some of our sweet and amazing church families. Discouraged, heavy and burdened. Pastor, my kids, blah, blah, blah. Pastor, my marriage, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. What do I do? Some have considered caving in and even throwing in the towel and saying, you know what? It's just not worth it. I taught a session this morning to one person. I had a Sunday school class today of one. And I asked the question, what is all this stuff going to matter 100 years from now? What is it going to matter 50 years from now? The only thing that matters today is that we're right with God and that our faith is firmly intact. And I know we got all this foolishness going on in our world, but it hasn't weakened God. It's not changed His plan. He hasn't changed His mind. The Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. share this with you in conclusion pastor how's all this coronavirus what's going to happen I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to predict it's just going to silently go away in a few weeks and you'll never hear any more about it that's just the way it is I don't know how that's going to end but I know how the whole thing is going to end and I believe it's not going to be too soon that we're going to hear a trumpet sound and gravity is going to turn loose of our feet and we're going to make an ascent heaven. And when you're on the other side, you'll say it's been worth it all. I want to encourage somebody to keep your trust, to keep your faith in God intact. He's not failed anybody yet and he won't fail you now. Hallelujah to God. As they begin to sing and play this morning, let's all gather around the front for a season of worship and praise in spite of what's going on around us. You have a heavy heart this morning. Bring that with you. If your faith is weak, bring it with you. God will strengthen you today. Everybody come, everybody. Our guests are welcome to come. Everybody come. If you need God, you're at the right place at the right time. If you're in search of more, you're at the right place at the right time. I'll go ahead and sing. Thank the Lord. Ministry team, help me this morning. Find that person who may be weak in faith, a little wobbly on their feet, and pray with them that God would renew and restore their faith.